and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James Heidland, and every week I am joined by two of my dearest friends, Michelle Benzinger and Heather Kim. This podcast is born out of our friendship of sharing all kinds of things together, our walk with Christ, our insights, our joys, sorrows, tears, and laughter, and you are most welcome on the journey with us. If you're looking for a place to belong, grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. If our podcast has blessed you, would you please consider financially supporting Abiding Together via Patreon? Patreon is a website where people can make donations to help keep the podcast going. And now that we at Abiding Together have an independent platform, we have a number of costs that go into creating the podcast and the high-quality content we offer, such as our website, design, tech support, staff, and other elements. Having an independent platform also allows us to explore and create new content for all of our listeners to enjoy, so thank you so much to all of you who are already donors. When you donate through our page on Patreon, you are able to donate any amount, $1 a month, $5 a month, $500 a month, or just a one-time offering. Abiding Together is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization, and donations are tax-deductible. So would you please prayerfully consider giving to Abiding Together? If you donate $15 or more per month, you become a tribe member and you will receive a short individual video from Michelle, Heather, and I each month about a variety of topics. You can see all of the information on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash abiding together podcast. So consider becoming a supporting member today and help us further the work of the Holy Spirit moving in and through this community. Together, we can do amazing things. We are so grateful for your support, and may God bless you. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Abiding Together. I just have to warn you that we've already been on this Skype call several hours, okay? So we have laughed a lot. Sometimes we cry. We haven't had any crying today, but we have laughed a lot. And so we were just talking about misheard song lyrics. And so I'm, I don't know if I should introduce the one I was thinking because you're going to sing it the rest of the day. I don't think it's I should do that to you. It's already stuck in my it... head. I've already <laughs> sung it eight times since you said it. Go for it, sister. Come on. It's a binding together sing song. So let's just ask our listeners, because we had our debate last week over hot bread versus toast. But last, okay, is the song, is it Elton John, the old 80s song? It was on my 80s playlist. Is it Hold Me Closer, Tiny Dancer, or Hold Me Closer, Tony Danza? Like that's really... <laughs> Hold me closer, Tony Danza. Is that what it is, or is it Tiny Dancer? Heather, do you know? I don't know. Is it? I don't know. I mean, it's really hard to know. Tony Danza. That's so funny. I am so impressed you just saying that right now. That's going to be, I want that to be my new ringtone for you, like when you call or text me. You saying that. I'm not, I mean, you'd be like, hold me closer, Tiny Dancer. I'm like huge, so I'm really tiny. But anyway, I'm the large nun in gray. People are like, how can we find you at the airport? I'm like, oh, I'm the large nun in gray. Don't worry, you won't miss me. Uh, You'll find me before I find you. So that's what always happens. So anyway. (laughs) <laughs> Heather, how are you today, my dear Pacific Northwest friend? <laughs> you're talking like you're some giant or something. It's like Andre the Giant walking through the airport. You're so <laughs> like one of the Amalekites <laughs> from the Promised Land. They're like reconnoitered the land. They're like, oh my gosh, it's just huge. <laughs> you're, a, you're a beauty. Um, how, oh, how am I doing? Uh, I'm doing well. It is crazy up here right now. We just 
finished the men's retreat a couple weeks ago. Uh, kids are in full swing of school. We're getting our house to put on the market because our new house is being built and it's almost going to be done. We're moving in January. So everything is in full swing. I have painters upstairs right now. So if anybody right hears now, banging they're around, like floating and taping. Yeah. Yeah. So if you hear weird things, that's what's going on upstairs right now. And um, yeah, it's exciting. Totally exciting. Totally exhausting mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. totally exciting at the same time. How about That's you? That's how we roll, really. Michelle. Michelle, my bell. I am so good. Um, like everybody else, life is full, but it is very good kind of full. We are actually, my husband and I do a thing called Greenhouse Collective, and it'll be launching later this fall. But we have five young adult women that we are like forming spiritually and um, human spiritual formation. But they're all here now. Awesome. And so we are kicking that off and doing this, but you can pray for my husband, Chris. He loves it. But he says, I, sometimes I walk in the house and feel like it's a sorority house now because there's five. <laughs> it all. is. That's because it is, Chris Bensinger. That's what's happening. I said, well, we have four sons that kind of um, average it out, you know, but they don't live with us. They don't live with us. So that's nice. But it is great. It is beautiful. It's well, some, your sons do, but the yeah, guys don't. The yeah, anyway. So. <laughs> Thanks for that clarification. In case you guys have not noticed, sister is in rare form today. She's a little slap happy. She is a little slap happy. Like um, the little energizer bunny. Like who let the nun out is what should be our new ringtone. Really, so. who left the nun out? That's yeah, not a bad idea. You say like that's a bad thing. That's not a bad idea. Oh, I told you I like seeing I you this it. way. And so people think you're so sweet, which you are, but they don't see your sassy, mm-hmm. spicy side. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. but we're all mm-hmm. good. So sister, what are we talking about today? Today we are going to talk about actually something that burns very deeply in all of our hearts. We are going to talk about the power of the Eucharist in our lives and Eucharistic amazement. And St. John Paul II in his encyclical on the church and its relationship to the Eucharist, he says, I would like to rekindle this Eucharistic amazement. So um, we were actually talking about this extensively before we started recording this, and we were going to name this episode the the episode where Sister Miriam just goes off on like the power of the Eucharist, but we're not going to do that because I'm actually going to behave. So no. it just it burns deeply in our all of our souls. So Bishop Barron, if y'all are Bishop Barron fans, you know that he's recently talked about uh, the latest Pew Research study that uh, says it says um, here's the quote it says a new Pew Research Center survey finds that most self described Catholics don't believe in this core teaching that the the, bo- the bread and the wine used for communion becomes the body and blood of Christ. We call it transubstantiation, okay? So it says that most self-described Catholics don't believe this core teaching. In fact, now this is staggering, and this nearly sent Bishop Barron over the edge, and rightfully so. It says, in fact, nearly 7 in 10 Catholics, 69%, say they personally believe that during Catholic Mass, the bread and wine used in communion are symbols of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Just one-third of Catholics, 31%, say they believe that during Catholic Mass, the bread and wine actually become the body and blood of Jesus. Now, for some people, they're like, what difference does it make? And we say it makes every difference because the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. It's the sacrament of the bridegroom and the bride where Christ gives himself to us and transforms us into himself. He brings us into himself. He comes into us and he brings us into him. So we're going to talk about rekindling Eucharistic amazement. So Heather, just talk about, if we could, just talk a little bit about the power of the Eucharist in your life and maybe just talk a little bit about your own journey with your relationship with Christ in the Eucharist as a Catholic and then how that's deepened, especially over over the years. Would you share that with us? Sure. Yeah. When I heard that Pew Research, there was a part of me that was like, wow. And then the other part of me was like, yeah, I, I, I get that. You know, 
I can get why, I mean, it's not something that we talk about a lot. And I think a lot of families aren't talking about it. It's like, how do you pass on truth? It's, it's through living with it as the center of your family. If the, if the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith, mm-hmm. well, then it should be the source and summit of our personal faith, not just our, you know, Catholic umbrella faith, and it should be the source and summit of our family life, and it should be the source and summit of our children's lives. And and if it isn't, then yeah, over the course of time, it just wanes, the belief wanes. Um, I know for me personally, I grew up in the church, and as a child, you know, I had special first communion and all that, but then there comes a time where you're just like, meh. It's just as boring and going to mass is boring and everybody Mm -hmm. else there seems bored or slightly irritated. Uh, Or reading the bulletin. Mm -hmm. Or reading Mm -hmm. the bulletin or, yeah, Mm -hmm. dozing off. And, you know, it just gives the impression, like for me as a young person, I was just like, why are we here? Like nobody else seems to be enjoying this. I'm not enjoying this. Um, Why are we even here? And it wasn't until... I went to a conference, and I've shared this story before, but I was prayed with by somebody, who the, the speaker that weekend. And when I had my, it was like a very deep personal encounter with God. It was peaceful. It was just God made himself known to me in a personal way. And when I went home, I went back to the same church, the same boring church with bored people and, and all of that. But all of a sudden, things were leaping out at me, like mm. everything came alive, although nothing had changed. We were meeting in a ugly school gym with basketball hoops hanging around near the altar. Like there was nothing about it. <laughs> it was mm. amazing, but it was amazing to me because the Holy Spirit opened my eyes and opened my heart. And it was very much like an Emmaus experience where the story where Jesus is walking on the road to Emmaus and these two guys are walking with him and they're like, have you heard all the things? And he's like, oh, what things? Like how playful Mm -hmm. is Jesus? That just like makes me crack up. Like how funny is that? That he's like, oh, I don't know. What, what things are you talking about? Like he's the guy who rose from the dead and these two are walking with him and don't understand. And it isn't until he breaks the bread that their eyes are opened. And it was very much that kind of experience for me where things came alive. The scripture came alive. All of a sudden, you know, readings that I had heard a hundred times before were personal to me. Mm-hmm. God was speaking into my life, my circumstances, and my love for the Eucharist, my devotion for the Eucharist, and my faith and belief in the Eucharist started to grow. And then it, it has become very much... Uh, yeah, center the centerpiece of my life. And I have experiences now where, uh, you know, there's a, one of the Psalms where it says, my home is by your altars, Lord. Mm. And, I, and I have that experience, not just the words, but the experience of feeling at home when I am in his presence. There's something so comforting where everything else just sort of fades away and I can be in his presence. And it's not about the fireworks or an emotional experience, but more just like the heart connection to him Mm. uh, that is very, very real. But it is something that had to grow. And it's something where it's not something we muster up. Faith is a gift that Mm. we can pray for, that we can ask for, that we can receive. And so if people are listening right now and this is something that you're struggling with, or you do think it's a symbol or, you know, there's no shame. There's no, we're not talking about it in that way. Like, you know, get your stuff together. It's just like, wow, you have an opportunity to, to receive a gift. Mm-hmm. The gift of faith and um, and the gift of Jesus being truly present to you, you know, and that when you receive him, it's an understanding of Christ is alive in me. He's really here with me. 
You know, mm-hmm. it's mysterious and, and wonderful at the same time. Mm-hmm. How about you, Michelle? What are some of your thoughts? Yeah, I remember when I read that study, it, one, it's heartbreaking. And like everything, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, something else about the church, you know, like, okay, and you can get in that doomsday, like kind of um, mentality. And then taking a step back, okay, what is my part to play in this? Because we are church too, you know? And sometimes mm-hmm. we like to say the church is out there and that she's not, that we are not the bride of Christ, but we are the church mm-hmm. and we are the bride of Christ. And the sacrament of the Eucharist happens in liturgy. And liturgy is, you know, is the means where Christ communicates divine life and fullness in our souls. Like that is what the liturgy is for, but also translation of liturgy is work of the people. And so how am I entering into the mystery of the Eucharist was like, it has to be like a heart check and a gut check for us. You know, do I believe that the Eucharist is the real presence or like even the, um, the St. John Paul II's encyclical on the Eucharist, I, he says, from the church draws from her life from the Eucharist, from this living bread, she draws her nourishment, you know, and I'm thinking, do I really think it's living bread or do I think it's stale bread? Like, really? Mm. Is it bringing me to life? Mm. Is it bringing me to abundant life? Like, how do I approach this humble little host, you know, when I receive in the Eucharist? Like, how am I preparing my heart to receive him? You know, how am I focusing my gaze on him as he's focusing his gaze on me? You know, and I was just thinking it, like, even just the gestures of it, like, how do I genuflect when I come into Mass? You know, um, the last couple of weeks, I've been immersed in St. Therese and St. Teresa of Avila for two different things. And um, I love how St. Teresa of Avila refers to uh, the Lord as her majesty, you know, like her majesty. Mm. And it, it just is such a beautiful way, like especially like an interior castle, it's her majesty. So, so funny in mass this past Sunday when I was genuflecting and then even at daily mass, I will genuflex it, you know, you know, in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, your majesty, you know, but it just brings mm. like my gaze to him and just the awe of it, you know, but what St. John Paul II says, rekindle, you know, your amazement. Do we even receive the power of the Eucharist or when we are in our, um, his presence, are we amazed? You know, Mm. are we like, Mm. oh my gosh, his gaze is upon us. And I was just telling the two ladies that was in adoration the other day with my husband and, and then another time and my husband's like, it was just the two of us. And he's like, what do you do in there? You know, (laughs) cause he's like, you're, and I always love looking at the monstrance and seeing, and I picture his face. Like I, in my imagination, Mm. I picture his face and I want to see what his eyes look like. And I want to see what his nose look like. And I want to see his smile. And I want to see like, is there a smirk, you know, and just, you know, and St. Therese says that, you know, I just look at him and he looks at me in adoration, Mm -hmm. you know, and we just Mm -hmm. get ourselves in that gaze. But when you experience that gaze, you never want to be out of it, you know, like you want to be where that is your focus and that is your center, you know, your center place. And, um, you know, there's that worship song from Bethel, may we never lose our wonder, you know? Yeah, I love that song. And I, that's the cry of my heart. Mm-hmm. May we never lose our wonder. May like I be a liturgical person where I work and I enter into the mystery instead of taking myself out of the mystery of the Eucharist in our everyday mm-hmm. life. What about you, sister? Mm-hmm. Mm. Amen, ladies. I, I think this is very challenging because it's a continually challenging thing because it's a real relationship with a real person. And so it continually challenges us uh, on the, all the areas of what is my life about and what do I believe and what do I not believe? And because if this is true, if that's really Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and our bridegroom, if that's really Him on the altar and that's really Him whom I'm receiving, then that changes everything. Yeah, it does. That changes 
that absolutely changes everything. It challenges every priority I have. It challenges every belief I have, every dream I have, every desire I have. That means that if that's really Christ, if that's true, if what he's saying in the gospels is true, because it's not us making it up, if this is what he's saying is true, like this is my body given up for you, and unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you don't have life within you from John chapter six. And the fact so much so that people were so offended over that, that many of his disciples left him and he asks his remaining disciples, like, are you two going to leave? And they say, you know, Lord, to whom shall we go? Like, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. And how many times of, of us, I know for myself as a Catholic, just seeing things in the church or seeing things in myself, and I'm like, it's tempting to go someplace else. But ultimately, it's like, where am I going to go? <laughs> there is no other place yeah. to go because there is no other place where Jesus comes to bring himself to us. And so if that's true, then that that changes everything. That means every time I receive the Eucharist, every time I receive him, I receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ himself. And we're all mature listeners here, so I heard a speaker say this one time, and he said, there's only three times in your whole life when somebody is inside somebody else. He said, that's a time when a woman is pregnant, when a man and a woman, when a husband and wife make love, and when Jesus comes to us in the Eucharist. And he said, all those are intensely intimate times, and those those encounters bring life, and they bring transformation. Mm-hmm. And so the, rece- the receptivity of that, it, it just challenges me at the core of my being, and it's Christ's promise when he says, I will never, I will never, le-, it makes me want to cry, I will never leave you or forsake you. Mm-hmm. I will yeah. be with you always until the end of time. And he's there in every Catholic church with us always until the end of time, coming to us uh, in our sinful selves. He comes to rest upon our tongue. He comes to rest upon the palm of our hand. He entrusts himself to us. And I just say, if if that's true, which it is, then it changes everything. It changes everything every day, and it has to. It has to. Yeah. There's this beautiful line from this old song by Jim Cowan called Cup of Life Outpoured. Mm. And he says in there, too great for me this wisdom of the Lord to mm. hold the Savior in my hand mm. <laughs> like, or, you know, to have the Savior on my tongue, whichever way you receive the Eucharist. But just that, the truth of that, of what's happening in, mm-hmm. in that moment is absolutely profound. And I think for many of us who have been in the church for a long time, uh, we have to be careful of becoming too familiar with sacred yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Sacred things are not to be familiar. You know, they're sacred. They're set apart mm-hmm. for a reason. And and it takes those types of prayers, Michelle, like you mentioned that song, Wonder. Like we need to ask the Lord to recover a sense of wonder Amen. about who He is, about going to Mass, about what's actually happening there. The prayers that we hear, you know, every time, uh, that they would come alive to us again. Not so that God could wow us and so that we could have an emotional experience, but so that it could be so real to us because it is real, you yeah. know, and that we can live in that reality and live out of that reality and that our our love and our life would flow from the truth of that. That when we have Jesus's body in our body, what does that mean for us? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the Savior who transformed things. That's the Savior who rose from the dead. Like Amen. the risen Christ is like in you. So all the places that are dead, there's an opportunity for you to pray every single time you receive him, Jesus risen Christ who is alive in me, please raise, raise to life these places that are dead. Mm-hmm. You know, that that is the Jesus that you walk out of that church and that you bring to others, that you bring to your family, that you love your children with, that you, you know, offer forgiveness to the person who hurt you. Like this is when we say source and summit, that's not just nice words that the church thought up. Like this needs to be a lived reality. And one of the ways that that happens is by taking time to ponder, to ponder these truths, to think about it, to not just 
show up and I get it. I get to mm-hmm. run into mass, like, you know, with your hair on fire kind of idea, like everybody go, 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 get in there, get in there, get mm-hmm. in there. And then you walk in and there's sweat pouring off your brow and you try to pull it together, you know, and, uh, and settle in. Uh, but yeah, it takes the, okay. And now we pause and now I'm going to pray and God open my eyes to see you. You know, there's that song, open the eyes of my heart. How many times have we sung that song? A billion, mm-hmm. maybe a billion. I still pray it very sincerely because I need that. I need God to open my eyes Amen. because I get so blinded. I, I get into a fog. I can't see clearly. I need the Lord to open my eyes, mm-hmm. you know. So I think we all can, no matter where we're at, whether we are faithful mass goers or we just go sometimes or we're struggling in our belief or we've become too familiar to ask the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to come and open mm-hmm. our eyes again to see who he is. I think that that would be a very important prayer for all of us to pray. Michelle, what about you? I can't remember who was it. I don't remember if it was Father Josh or who was it that told us the story about the women with Mother Teresa's order, that it was a young girl and she lived on the streets and she had been abandoned and um, she had come to live with the sisters and she had become a drug addict and a prostitute. And I don't, I, I don't know the the correct details of the whole story, but the gist of she'd come to live with the sisters and she was nasty to them. You know, like she was yelling at them and she was detoxing and all this. And the uh, missionaries of charity just loved her. They just absolutely loved her. And by their love and just their Christ-like, you know, behavior towards her, she transformed. And then she transformed and she ended up, you know, changing her life and accepting the Lord in her life and all of this. And they found out she had AIDS. Mm. You know, and one thing she wanted, she wanted to become Catholic and she wanted to wear a sari, Mm -hmm. like the missionaries of charity. Mm -hmm. And um, so they could do the first part, let her become Catholic, you know, and so she became Catholic. And every time I hear the story, it makes me tear up also. And when she received communion for the first time in the Eucharist, she said, it's the first time that a man has entered me and not taken something, but only given me his everything. Mm -hmm. And it was Mm -hmm. such... Like it is like mm. such jarring language to say that, but it's so mm. true. Like he did not take something from me. He gave me everything mm. and he was still there. And it was interesting. They called mother and said, mother, she's dying. And all she wants is to wear a sari. So of course, Mother Teresa's is like, then put a sari on her. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, Like, and that's what she was. And I mean, mm. and just thinking that this woman, like that is the beauty. Mm-hmm. Like they put basically like a sari in my mind is like a bridal gown, yeah. you know, and they prepared her to be you know, the lover of her soul and that was created. And Mother Teresa has a beautiful quote. And she says, in an ever-changing world, the Holy Eucharist is a constant reminder of the greatest reality of God's changeless, never-changing love for us, you know. And he is just, he's our constant and he wants to come and he wants to rekindle, you know, mm-hmm. the fire that's in our heart. He wants to come into us and rekindle and be present to us. And it also just blows me away, his humility, like here it is, king of the universe, king of the world. And he comes in this humble, fragile little host. He allows himself to be broken again for us, mm-hmm. you know, and come into our being so that we can be transformed mm-hmm. into him. And that is just an amazing mm-hmm. concept to me. Mm-hmm. And it is the, uh, the love story. It is a beautiful love story of the bridegroom constantly fearless you know, just a fearless pursuit Mm -hmm. of his bride's heart. Mm -hmm. That is the story of the Eucharist Mm -hmm. that he wants to come so close. Yeah. This is my body given up for you. You know, absolutely. it's, uh, I think for some people when they're hearing this language of, 
you know, marital language, union, yep. uh-huh. and we're talking about the Eucharist, that can be very hard because maybe your experience of that is not, mm-hmm. not, you know, loving. It's not self-gift. It's not, you know, like receptivity isn't, isn't fully realized there. Um, but I think it's important to note that marriage is like the closest mm-hmm. sign that we have. It's like um, yeah. an icon of, of God's love for us. And, and not the the version that is you know tainted and and sinful and you know broken or hurtful like it's how it's meant to be that God's union with us is meant to be perfect and the intimacy is perfect it's one giving to another fully you know like you said Michelle that story is so incredibly beautiful but that may be an area where we need to experience mm-hmm. some healing so let's yeah. go there, you know? Like, I, th- I think wherever there's stumbling blocks, go there. God's not afraid. He's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of of the the resistance that you have. He's going to respect you in, mm-hmm. in every way. But I think we can go there with that. Like, instead of just letting it sit there and fester, mm-hmm. just bring it to Him. Bring mm-hmm. it to the table. Yeah. Let, let's see what He can do with that. And that's true. It's because it's only authentic love that heals broken love. And that's he's giving us, he's giving him us love himself and he gives himself to us in the Eucharist and in, in the sacrament of, of Holy Communion. He gives himself to us in adoration that in any Catholic mm-hmm. church you can go and there's a tabernacle there that hosts his body, blood, soul, and divinity. And you can sit before him and many churches have perpetual adoration where there's a monstrance, which is a word that means to display. There's like a beautiful gold vessel and in the middle is Christ himself. And anytime you go into the presence of the Lord, just like when you go into the presence of the sun outside, your skin is changed. Every single time you go before the Lord, the sun <laughs> changes your soul. Your soul is transformed. Amen. You you can just show up and you can just sit there and say, I'm just, you know, like many saints say, I'm just going to look at you and you look at me. And we're transformed. Like we are literally transformed in the core of our being because that is the power of His love for us. Um, and you just see the church replete with Eucharistic miracles, like Lanciano in the year 1800, when a monk lost his own faith in the Eucharist. Here he was praying Mass and he lost his faith. And in that moment, Christ removed the veil and that Eucharist became literally a piece of flesh. And when science caught up enough to do, to do scientific research on it, and we'll put a link so you can actually read this yourself. You can see the pictures. It's still present to this day. You can go to Lanciano, Italy and see it. That that piece of uh, flesh is actually a heart muscle. It's the center of the heart. It is cut with such precision that no doctor would have been able to cut it like that. And then when they tested the blood type from the from the chalice, because the chalice turned to real blood as well, that the chalice, the proteins in the blood are still alive. They're the same, they have the same DNA as the heart muscle. And then the type, the blood type for both is AB, which is the universal recipient of all uh, blood. So it's like this reality of you know, there are saints that lived on the Eucharist for years, nothing but the Eucharist for years. And so God shows us these things because He knows we doubt. Like He knows at times we sit there before and we're like, I don't feel anything, Lord. I don't even know if I believe anymore. And I just love that prayer. Like, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Like you're saying, both of you, like, mm-hmm. like this is not something us, you know, conjuring up. And, you know, and what Jesus does is He He gives us that ability to receive Him. He gives us the ability to go to confession so that our souls are clean so that we can mm-hmm. receive Him, you know. And that's the power of the priesthood that God calls men to become His heart upon the earth, to absolve sin, to heal us, and then to bring us the Eucharist as the sacrament of the bridegroom to the bride. So what an exquisite, exquisite love song that God sings to each of us. And I think you have a quote, Michelle, from Tolkien, don't you? We love that quote from Gerald Tolkien. Do you want to read it or you want me to read it? You can read it. Uh, Tolkien, who is, you know, very popularly the author of Lord of the Rings, uh, he says this, um, these are from his letters. He says, out of the darkness of my life, so much frustrated, I put before you the one great thing to love on earth, the blessed sacrament, the Eucharist. 
It is there you will find romance, glory, honor, fidelity, and the true way of all your loves upon earth. Mm. So it says love that orders all. And when he orders our loves, then we, or, when we love well. So he's a source and summit, dear friends. There is no other way. There's no place else to go. <laughs> he's a source and summit, and he loves us, and he's giving himself to us right now. Amen. Amen. So, um, well... <laughs> Any, okay well there you have it how do you transition from talking about the most beautiful thing in all the universe to uh, one thing yeah. <laughs> so maybe dear friends this week maybe that's our prayer right Lord enkindle my faith heal my heart maybe maybe it's time to go to confession y'all or maybe it's time to just stop by a church and just spend a few minutes before the Lord there maybe it's time to do a, a Lexio Divina so we can prepare ourselves for Sunday Mass or drop by a daily Mass I don't know but what is that for you? Where does Jesus want to meet you this week in a special way? And maybe it's sometimes we have to make spiritual communions where you're in, the, in your house and you can't get out and go to church like that, where you're just like, Lord, please, please come and commune with me. Come and commune with me and speak to me until the next time I can I can physically receive you or see your face. And so um, let's just see this week where Jesus will surprise us in his love and his desire to, to heal us and to bring us into communion, because that's what Holy Communion is all about. So... Um, yes. So perhaps in light of that, um, which will probably be a complete non sequitur, we're very sorry to do this, but what about our one things for the week as we kind of journey? Um, can I just start is because I had a birthday a couple of weeks ago and I'm old now. And so, but for my birthday, Heather Kim sent me this really awesome, if you, I don't know, I've seen these before, but it's this, um, candle kind of, uh, what's it called? Homesick where they make, you know, candles that just have from different states or different kind of memories. And so Heather, because we're both Pacific Northwest girls, she got me one that's called Seattle and it's a mix of coffee, pine and musk. And I love it. <laughs> I smell them like, no, dude, that seriously smells like home. It smells like Seattle. So thank you, Heather, for like Seattle homesick. I do miss the Pacific Northwest in the fall, and that's all the weather I'm going to talk about. Sorry. All right. There you go. <laughs> we're trying to break yeah, a bad habit. We are. Like, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> Heather, what about you, sweet girl? What's your one thing? My one thing is my teenagers. I oh, just I'm sorry. What'd you say? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. I love uh, that. I just love this season so much. Like, it's so fun. And yes, there's lots of hormones and yes, lots of ups and downs and little moods and things. But gosh, I just love them so much. They're, they're coming alive. They're coming into their own. They're having all their own opinions about things. We have great discussions at dinner time now. Uh, and they have things to say. You know what? I just love hearing their hearts. And I, I love the joy that they bring to our family and the funny things and the little terms, you know, like Judah, our 14-year-old, everything is savage. You know, know. it's just hilarious to me. Um, just, how, yeah, how they talk, how they maneuver the world, the things that they're learning I just love this season, and I'm so I just feel incredibly grateful for my teenagers. They are right funny now. and totally yeah. a different language. Mm -hmm. Like a, a, mm -hmm. a family totally. dinner the other night, like uh, Sam and Maddie, who is not a teenager, but they even have hand motions when they say one of them says the same word, and they do these like funky hand. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, you know, they just they're totally so entertaining themselves. I was like, okay, y'all are yeah. funny. Um, for me, my one thing is I have become Heather. Just kidding. But I made a playlist. <laughs> hey. And so I have a worship oh, playlist. And I actually called it Crossing Over, like crossing over into a hmm. new season. Oh. And so I made a playlist and it has a lot of House Fire Five's new live album, which I have become obsessed Ooh. with. And so, but it is a great oh. and Stephanie Gritzinger's new song too, Semi. which I love. So I will post that. Um, on the, in the show notes and in our private Facebook group. Ta-da! 
Mm. Perfect. I need a new playlist today. I'm working from home, so I'm going to be blasting your playlist. I said, bring it on. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? Could you also leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? That helps us get the message out to as many people as possible. All the show notes are in your podcast app, but if you'd like them emailed to you, you can go to our website at abidingtogetherpodcast.com and subscribe. On our website, you will also find all of our past episodes and information about various episodes. You can also join our private Facebook group and get in on the discussion and all the beautiful things that are happening there. We are so glad that you are on the journey with us. And until next week, we'll be abiding together. God bless you. Thank you.